belonging to something bigger than ourselves allows us to become our better selves. Do you ever wonder? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to live an extraordinary life? Or is that only for people with exceptional beauty, brains, or talent? I know you are extraordinary. But when I look at me in the mirror, well... Ordinary. 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 Ordinary is all I see. Certainly, life has to be more extraordinary than what I've experienced so far. We all feel like this sometimes, but we don't have to. If you believe that your life and everyone's life can be more connected, more inspired, more fulfilling, then you're in the right place. Welcome to this Extraordinary Life podcast. I'm Kevin Monroe, and together we're going to discover life is extraordinary. Do little things really make that big of a difference? For me, being extraordinary is more of a choice. There is something truly remarkable about that. Are you looking for a place where people are more interested in who you are? Who you are? Who you are? Put in the extra in the ordinary. That's what extraordinary is all about. I want to live an extraordinary life. How about you? Thanks for joining me today. For some of you listening, this is your first time tuning into this Extraordinary Life podcast. Let me say welcome. I'm really glad you're here. However it is that you found your way here, I'm delighted to have you here with us today. For you regulars, welcome back. You know I'm thrilled that we get to continue this conversation and journey. Here we are. We're already in episode five of this new podcast. If you're following along, you're probably noticing a thread or a theme that's connecting all of these first conversations together. What we're doing is exploring the various facets of what we consider the fundamental elements of an extraordinary life, this extraordinary life. And when we say that, you know, those are things that they may seem a little ordinary at first, easy to overlook. But when you dig a little deeper, you discover there's something extraordinary about it. Today, we're continuing that with an exploration of community and a certain facet of community, online, virtual community. Joining us is Gina Bianchini, founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. And just so you know, Mighty Networks is the software that powers the online home of this extraordinary life. After my conversation with Gina, you'll also hear some thoughts and reflections on community from Sarah Radican, a member of this extraordinary life. So let's get to it. It is a pure joy and delight to welcome Gina Bianchini to this Extraordinary Life podcast today. Welcome, Gina. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Of course. So for people that don't know you, how do you like What is your favorite way to be introduced? You get to introduce yourself here. I really don't like introducing myself. (laughs) And I will. You know, it's like as adults, we all learn things that we're like, yes, I need to be able to do that. 
introducing myself is one of those adulting skills, but I get shy about like what I've done or like why I'm here. And, but I do love to talk about what I love to do. So that's all you need to know about Gina. (laughs) What she does, Gina is the founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. True statement. I've known you for about five years now, and I've watched you from afar for those five years, and then up close, more personal over the last 18 months as a client of Mighty Networks. And I've noticed that you have this authentic affinity for community, and that's why I invited you here today. I want to ask you about that in a moment, but before we do that, I'd love to know, Gina, what is something you're grateful for in this moment that we are connecting here? I, how long do you have? (laughs) So I have a a practice with, you know, eight and a half by 11 computer printer paper and a pen every morning. And I wake up and I get some coffee and I just sit down and I write whatever is on my mind. And one of the things that I have found has been on my mind before COVID and before the world that is now our world, that I regularly wake up and find myself grateful for my opportunities, my house. In fact, I live somewhere that I love and my friends, my family, the opportunities that I have had, the fact that I get to work on something that means something pretty profound to me. The fact I get to work with people who challenge me and push me and hopefully I do the same back to them and in a way that is co-creating together. And the fact that I get to wake up every day with customers and we call them mighty hosts that are doing incredible things like you are. So there's a lot that I am thankful for and I feel, you know, especially at a time in a moment like this, I feel like the fact that I have always sought to embrace change and being comfortable with new environments, even though that is not my normal, again, another adulting skill that I feel like I've had to learn in a moment and time of great change is something I'm super grateful for. Because again, it's not my normal set of reactions, but living in Cupertino, California, being from Cupertino, California, Growing up in an environment that was open to new ideas and new thinking and a comfort with change and a comfort with innovation, I feel pretty fortunate right now to have those skills and those practices. Okay, Gina, I I just have to go a little deeper with this. You talked about how gratitude flows. Did you cultivate gratitude or just find it growing on its own in your life? I'm just curious about that. I have had practices. They have not been expressly gratitude practices, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have practices like waking up with computer paper and a a big micro ball pen, this one, in fact, that has given me the opportunity for gratitude, Mm. made it easy. Okay. I love it that gratitude is how you Without necessarily calling it a gratitude practice, gratitude is what flows. I love that. Gratitude is an energy producer. And so if any of us are 
looking for energy, which I am always looking for more energy, gratitude is a really easy way to get more energy, more creativity, more joy. Yeah, I think of gratitude as the gateway. It's just what yeah. opens the door on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Great. Okay, so what I'd said just a moment ago is, is I noticed that you have this, what I would call this authentic affinity, love, passion for community. Can you trace the roots of that in your life? Yes. I grew up in Cupertino, so about 25 minutes south from where I live today, in a very close-knit community. My grandparents lived down the street. My aunt and uncle and cousins lived across the fence. It was just a very tight-knit community, and there were just neat people, for lack of a better way of thinking about it. And, and both my parents were actively involved in you know, their own interests, their own, you know, my father restored old cars on a teacher's salary. And my mom like raised guinea pigs, which I know how it happened, but it's a, a much longer story that involves one dead guinea pig equaled like 50 guinea pigs. And like it's, they had their own house at my house. It was the guinea pig house. And so to me, from a very young age, curiosity, being able to go deep on a topic, it was the nectar. Like that was it. Like that was fun. And whether it was history or crafts or sports, this notion that there was something to master, you know, and master sounds like almost dominating it. That's not the use that I mean here. But there was always so many interesting ideas and ways to build. And, and again, this was an area that had kind of this very fascinating intersection of engineering and counterculture and openness to different ways of, of doing things. And so for me, I would say my sort of macro interest has always been around people systems. Like how does a people system work? And specifically, how does a people system change? And so for me, that was studying history and like, and being really fascinated by the things that were like, how did we used to do this? And now we do this. And now we do this. And now we're going to do this other thing. How does the intersection of technology, culture, influence, leadership, passion combine to make those changes in terms of people's lives. That has always been the thing that in one way, shape, or form has always interested me. Wow. wow. So fast forward literally a zillion years to kind of the, the beginning era of social network before people started calling and thinking about it as media. It all made sense to me because I, I've never been an engineer, but I grew up in and around engineering to the point where whether it was my friend's dads or like people in my classes, I have always been incredibly fortunate that people are really open to explaining things to me mm. Mm. and wanting to like tell me about how they built something. And I think it's cool and have always found joy and respect in people sharing with me how something works. So the beginning of social networking in terms of how technology and the people system, all the pieces kind of came together. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. 
And then when we had success at Ning and watching, which was the company I founded and ran before Mighty Networks, to watch these passionate, interesting people or small business owners or just people that were like celebrating their weirdness, watching the communities that they were building and creating out of nothing, I was hooked. I was like, this is the world that I grew up in that doesn't exist anymore, where you know people would come together around their hobbies or whether it was building personal computers or restoring model T Fords. And I knew that, and I knew enough about like how systems work and I'm pretty confident in my ability to think about systems that I knew that this was going to be the thing I wanted to work on, which is how do you take those moments and that belonging that happens when you come together around a purpose to master something interesting or important to this small group of people and apply it to what software can unlock in some pretty unique and, and I would argue much more constructive and much more positive ways than what we sort of assume is how people should be interacting. The vast majority of people are interacting online. And I'm probably having paid attention to an understanding that culture can change. It's not intimidating to me, even though perhaps it should be a lot more intimidating to me to think that we can change the culture that is the dominant social media culture today. And we're not a social media platform because I don't think that that should be the ultimate goal. I think the ultimate goal is how do we create a world with millions of vibrant communities that are creator-led, that are building their own cultures, their own norms, their own ways of doing things with what I hope, and actually one of the reasons why we love the fact that people charge money for Mighty Networks is people pay attention to what they pay for. And if they're able to achieve results and transformation in their lives, that's great for everybody. And we can do this at scale. Well, thanks for sharing this, Gina. I love that your journey, that this is a quest for you and that it's a quest you've been on for years. This isn't just the latest new technology and this is a way we can scale the technology, but this community is a quest for you. That's what excites me so much about you. So what led you to say, this is the sandbox we want to play in, making community available and accessible to communities around the world? Well, one, I have always been drawn to elements of the internet where people can make a living and make a living in new ways that offer a lot of flexibility. So I think, you know, when you look at eBay really being the first example of that, I've always found that really inspiring. Like I believe that when you can build an economic model for the kinds of things that you want to create, that kind of, so in our case, a vibrant community where people can belong and people can, you know, have these different cultures that are created by leaders of those communities and mentors of that community. And if that mentor is getting paid, you have more resources to do more cool stuff with it. So that to me was always a draw. And then at Ning, we just kind of stumbled on this notion of communities around topics and interests and passions. And when I saw just how cool everybody's interests are, I was like, this is awesome. People are awesome. 
you can play to the worst of people or you can play to the best of people. And over a decade into this, I think software has a lot to do, like to the same exact people, unlock positive, constructive relationships and journeys of mastery as it can play to our worst angels or whatever the equivalent of that is. So now I would say I am maniacally focused on proving out that (laughs) creator-led communities are not just possible, but easy. And if we do that, we have the opportunity to totally redefine what this whole, I would argue, toxic producing set of metrics related to time spent or this, unless you're engaging all the time, it's not successful. It's not popular. I'm like, I think there's a better model out there. And so I wish I could point to an exact moment where this just became so obvious and so clear to me and my team that this is a place where software can play a role in building deeper connections that has really not been explored in the ways that we're building towards. And that's super exciting and fun. Gina, I want to ask you about that. But first, we've got something that we want to share with you listening, something exciting, and then we'll be right back. We're back. And Gina, right before we broke, you were talking about software having a really generative role in facilitating community and connection. Say more about that. I'm sure there's some people that don't get that. But what is it? And by the way, nor should you. Like, you don't have to get it. And, and here's why I say that. Because, like, the stuff that I get really excited about, like, no one else should be excited about it. It's not that exciting. But it's exciting because, to me, because of what it facilitates. What it allows people like me to do. Exactly. With what you create. Right. Here's what I think is our North Star, is this ability to, you know, for somebody to show up, not only feel that welcome warmth right when they join. We actually know that that actually means a lot to people, right? But also, whatever we can do to surround that person with, like, walking into an event where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be here with these people. Like, these people make me feel better about myself. We can actually do that with software. We can do that and then making it really clear how people should interact. So one of the things I think is fascinating right now is that there's a lot of people that think the way you build a community is you just throw a bunch of people together. And if, if they figure out how to interact with each other, then you've got something successful and it's gone viral and it's highly engaging. And if they don't, well, either the software sucks or people are too busy. And here's the thing that's interesting is actually you got to have a big purpose. You got to have something that's like, what's in it for me to be a part of this community? But then you also have to tell people what to do. Like, here's what we do here. So, you know, my favorite example of this, you know, Kevin, is a give ass day. So one day a week, same day every week where you profile one member with what's your give and what's your ask of the community. And then you basically turn it over to the community in that thread to say, great, you heard from Kevin, you heard from Gina, 
what's your give and what's your ask? That is something that is actually really easy for somebody to contribute to because we all have a give and we all have an ask. Now compare that to what typically happens in this pseudo social media sharing world, especially when you try to create a community without a lot of clarity. Well, what happens is you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh gosh, I like don't have engagement. I got to figure out what I'm going to put in my community to get people to start talking. I just read that article. I'm going to post that link. And then I'm going to basically ask the question. So you post the link and then you're like, hey guys, what do you think? And nothing happens. Cricket. It's cricket. Somebody asked me the other day, what's crickets mean? And I was like, okay, maybe I need to expand my clarity on that sentence. And what's the difference there? The difference is not only did you create a ton of work for somebody who's, by the way, also gotten seven different articles every morning that they're supposed to read between email newsletters and their friends' text threads and you know the websites they go to, but also you left it open. What do you think? Well, what am I supposed to say to that? Am I going to write something that's like seven paragraphs long and nobody else is going to say anything? Am I going to write something really fast? And then like, I'm going to look stupid. And nobody has the time for that. So you took, as the host of that moment, you took that moment and you said, I'm not going to do the concrete way to connect people. I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to do the sharing stuff that doesn't really work because we're all overshared to right now. And in, you see the difference. One is concrete and it's designed so that I can get to know you and you can get to know me and we can start to build those relationships, especially in the context of something that's important to us, where we want to realize our full potential in our career or in our health or our spiritual practices or how we view the world or how we parent or how we manage our money. But then we need this second piece this ability to know that we're going to contribute something and it's going to be okay. And you have those two things and you can make a community wildly valuable to people. And I mean, you've done that. Well, thank you, Gina. I'm intrigued because you have an interesting vantage point from my perspective in that you're connected to creator-led communities around the world, literally around the world. From your vantage point, you get to see all of this rich diversity, and you just listed some of the different types of communities that have made their home on Mighty Networks. What do you see besides what you just said? What else are the keys to those communities flourishing? And I'll just ask you one question at a time. I'm excited here. What are the keys to those communities flourishing? Again, all communities have to have a motivation for them to exist. Why should these specific people come together at this specific moment for this specific purpose? What's in it for them? And what can be accomplished together that any of us cannot accomplish on our own? Answering that question is really important, but it's not enough. If you don't marry it with, and this is how we're gonna do it. Here's how we are going to realize these benefits. If each week we're giving and asking, that is going to help us in that big purpose and achieving this common goal and belonging to something bigger than ourselves. And that 
combination and that marrying together of the motivation, the big purpose, and the concrete ways of, of achieving that big purpose is the difference between success or failure. You said something in that answer that helped me better understand. I'll just confess to you, Christy, my colleague in our community, we've both struggled with the word mastery, but you just said accomplishing something together that we couldn't, cannot do alone. And for me, that is our approach to mastery. That is <laughs> mastery for us, right? Doing That's something. mastery for everybody. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. What excites you to hear from your creator leaders of community? When do you and your team, okay, and I've got to say something else. I want to say it here publicly for everybody. I've messaged you several times when I've been in meetings with you, and I genuinely feel your love and your passion for your team and for your mission and for connecting people in community. And Gina, I just want to say publicly, thank you. That jazzes me to see and feel your passion and your purpose and your love for the people. And the other thing, as long as I've been around your team, the same people are there. You're not churning and burning through people like a lot of software companies do. You've got this committed, faithful team that they also are passionate about the mission. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I feel incredibly fortunate for who I'm able to work with and what they bring to our mission. And it's, yeah, it's special. It is. So what are the things you all hear? What lights up the internal chatter inside Mighty Networks? Well, right now, as you know, maybe we just put out this big release. So oh, yeah. We just put out a new events feature. You know, the last time we had touched events was like 2015. So, and we worked on it for three months and our opportunity to really take it from the top, we've done this with courses. We've now done this with events. We know what the next ones are that we're going to do. So that's been really great. And right now, just the way that the team came together for that release has just been pretty powerful and pretty profound. I would say the other aspect of this is the thing about people and the thing about communities is that, especially online communities, is we're all trying to push the envelope to this ultimate goal of making it so easy, like to set something up and just like have it work. And that's actually a very difficult software and human challenge. And yet we will get there. I am confident about few things that we, we are going to get to a place where the ability for you as the host to set up, whether it's custom profile fields, so that you're like, oh, I'd love to have members connect around this, whether that's by location or whether that's by interest or whether that's by a badge that says they both have taken this course. But the more things we can give people to find common ground with other people they haven't quite met, or they're meeting for the first time, that is where the magic happens. So that is our North Star and what we are the most excited about from here. Now, 
as you said, we have a team that's been together a long time. And what is fun is for the most part, whenever you're building software, but specifically community software, yeah, there's a long time where you're building stuff out that you don't have the features that people want. And so we've spent a lot of time talking to people when they're not happy, when they're <laughs> like, where's this thing or where's that thing or this thing's broken or that. And so, or like, I, I just haven't been able to get any engagement. So now that we're kind of past the point, so I have to say, and I think it's true for folks on my team as well, is like whenever we look at a new post from someone or someone coming in or a new email, we're always like, okay, what's the problem? What happened? What went wrong? (laughs) What went wrong? And what's been fun is there's fewer and fewer of what went wrong and more and more what went right. And it doesn't mean that we don't have a zillion other things to be doing that will make success easier and easier. But the thing about all of this stuff is it's a journey. So what you hear, you know, authentically from us a lot of times is, oh, wow, cool. This would be a lot better than what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Oh, Gina. So there's something. worse. That's another way to say it. I think I read this from you, heard you say this, belonging to something bigger than ourselves allows us to become our better selves. You want to elaborate on that, Annie? Yeah, it's so interesting to hear you mirror that back to me. The one thing that I would say is when that thing that is bigger than ourselves has a positive, generative aspect to it, that's when I would say that. But you can belong to something that's bigger than yourself and have it be destructive. True. And so I feel like there's a structure to talking about this that is about a bigger purpose that has at its core something that enables us to realize our most potential in ways that are generative, that are ways I do feel like it's important. And it's really easy today to feel divided, that there's some finite pie. And if we don't get our piece of the pie, then the whole thing is the end of modern civilization and we're forever stuck in an environment that is not constructive. I do believe there are moments in history that you want to be on the right side of, but I think fundamentally we're at a moment right now where software has been weaponized to create division and our sense of belonging is about what tribe we're in and who the enemy is. And I think there is just as much potential and just as much demand for a different model that says my ability to belong to something bigger than myself must be used for good, must be used for expansion and abundance and creating abundance. It's hard to do that when you're in an environment where the algorithms and energy and emotion say more people are activated by negative emotion than abundance and generative emotion. And I just, I think that this is a, I don't think we're going to see a change to this until we start to change the technology and therefore the culture and start to offer more people more opportunities to create and build their own cultures. And some will be negative, but 
there's the freedom and the wide open space with that kind of a new model for people who are positive, people who are, who come at life from a growth and abundance mindset and who are thinking about innovation. I'll give you an example that has nothing to do with Mighty Networks, but I do think it speaks to the difference in mindsets and the difference between the culture of social media and the culture of communities that are mastering something interesting or important to them, or in Kevin's definition, that is about belonging to something bigger than yourself and realizing your full potential together with other people, which is the following. The stories of the California wildfires that are happening right now are those of destruction or are those of tragedy. And there is plenty of tragedy to go around. There is climate change is upon us and the world as we know it is over. Those are the narratives. We go and visit these towns again that have just been wiped out in literally minutes and hours off the face of the earth. Two years later and people are still living in tents. They're stuck on red tape. So let me offer another narrative. California, in a public and private partnership, decides to become the model worldwide for the speed of rebuilding. We can't prevent today wildfires from taking out a town, but we absolutely have within our control the ability to rebuild in weeks and months with as little red tape as possible, with houses we can be proud of that might be simple, but are quality construction that are prefabricated, that are fire retardant, that are built sustainably. And we could start telling a very different story very quickly. One of rebirth, one of rebuilding, one of taking care of each other, one of innovation. And not just innovation in terms of houses, but innovation in terms of supply chain and how we do things less expensively. And we have less of a footprint. All of those things are possible. And they're the exact same set of circumstances and the exact same set of inputs to fundamentally different stories. And they're both within our control and within our choice. And one is definitely a better together version. Gina, I know our time's drawing to a close. Let me ask you something. Over the last six months or seven months now of pandemic and then pandemic with everything else that has unleashed on the world since pandemic, what are you seeing, feeling, and watching about online community growing and people finding connection, people finding hope, people finding courage and encouragement? Talk to us about that because that's the other story as well. Just like there's another story of California, there are people that can't connect in person, but that doesn't mean they can't connect. Yeah, in the same way. And I think, thank you for giving me the floor on this. I'll tell you the story that I think is the most fascinating about online communities right now is people almost being a little shy about the ways that it's better. Mm. Mm. Ways that it's better. So for example, saying, well, we ran this course, you know, I used to have a knitting shop. I've had to close it. And we ran this knitting course 
And we drew people from all over the world into this course. And almost feeling bad about liking the dynamics of the online community more than a shop. Or the ability to say, I actually like this more in anything that we're doing right now. Now, does that mean that we want to sit in a Zoom meeting all day? No. Does that mean we should be valuing the communities that we belong to by how many hours we spend with them? No. Again, it's about the results and transformation that we are able to get, how a community and specifically an online community can expand our horizon so much more. But this is where I think it's what's fascinating to me is the fact that audio, whether it's through platforms like Clubhouse or podcasts, where we'll see all of these things that can be deconstructed from like a conference or an in-person event. I just think we're going to see these things deconstructed. So maybe the way that we get information is walking around the block, listening to a podcast listening to this podcast, and then we come back and we have an interaction with people, or we limit our videos to certain things at certain times so that the rest of the time we're out and about. I don't know what this means, but the point that I think is so exciting about this moment, and and again, what I would characterize as kind of the interesting aspect of it is there are aspects about this new world that are better, but it feels bad to say that when there's been such dramatic pain and death and uncertainty in many people's lives because the system has changed so fast. The world we lived in in February, even when we have a vaccine, that world could still be gone. And we will have found a new world with things that we like, we'll keep what we like from this online and digital dynamic, and we'll add to it with things that we can't even predict what they are today. Although I do have one prediction, which is I think when we travel and the ways we travel and where we travel to will be fewer and looking for more vibrant experiences. That middle, middle travel of like staying in nondescript hotels on business trips. I think those days are over and I don't think that's a bad thing. Hmm. Well, Gina, two questions. One, for people that are listening to this and saying, well, gosh, maybe we should be starting our own community. You make that easy. Where do we point them? Well, mightynetworks.com. Create a free Mighty Network. We'll send you a bunch of emails that will tell you all the different ways that you can take advantage of creating your own community, but also how to do it. And we've built a pretty special community of other people that are doing it too. That's pretty fun to be a part of. Yes, it is. And how would you like to conclude our time together? Is there something in your heart or mind that you haven't had the opportunity to share yet? Well, no, because the fact that an idea that I literally have nothing to do with right now, but I really hope somebody takes this mantle of sustainable housing and speed of rebuilding and runs with it. I hope it's happening somewhere. No, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for 
your energy and enthusiasm, your convening of conversations, and just the spirit that you bring to the work that you do. I just am really grateful for it, Kevin. Well, thank you, Gina. I'm grateful for you, your team. I'll just say this, that I look at what I do as in collaboration with you and your team because you all make it happen on the online side. So thank you, Gina. Awesome. Gina, thanks for joining us today. What a fascinating conversation. Now, I want to invite you to listen into this conversation. It's different from what Gina and I had, but this was with Sarah Radican. And Sarah, a few weeks ago, I posted a question about community. We were doing a deeper dive on community, and Sarah responded with a really thoughtful response, and it prompted me to invite her to a deeper dive conversation here now about community and what makes it extraordinary. So I'm thrilled today to be joined by Sarah Radican. And Sarah's going to join us and talk about one of our favorite topics, community. Say hello, Sarah. Hey, Kevin. What a pleasure. Where are you joining us from? I live near Indianapolis, Indiana, center of the United States. There you go. So Sarah, you know, at the heart of what we do with This Extraordinary Life, it really is a community that is both an online and in-person community, but right now it's really online. And we had a conversation going about community and you weighed in with some really thoughtful replies and you've had some rich experiences and observations and reflections on community. Where would you like to start? this conversation. So when I think about community, one of the things that's a little mind boggling to me is this unifaceted perspective that community means we have something in common. And I think that's a mistake. I think that can be an excellent foundational piece to starting a community. But when you really think about what community means, it's not enough. It's just not enough to have one thing in common. That's just a coincidence. That's not a community. So it's a coincidence, not a community. Give us an example of some of those you've seen. Well, one that I think of that's been really impactful in my world is the transgender community. Being a trans person certainly is a formative piece of somebody's identity, but it really isn't enough. Even that, which is a humongous piece of somebody's experience, is not enough to develop community around it. So when we have some kind of question at the beginning and we say, I am, are you? And then we find some kind of agreement around that one thing. That's what you're talking about, right? Or Absolutely. And that's great. I mean, we, we all do it. And we, you have to start somewhere. You have to have a starting point. But I think about these experiences. So it happens a lot in elections. Like you're a woman. You must be a part of this community. And that's not a guarantee. It's a huge assumption. Mm-hmm. So yeah, start with that broad slice and then dig a little deeper and It's only when you've got enough common ground that I believe you can develop the comfort and the sense of safety to dive deep enough to really create the connections and the relationships that make an actual community. Well, in another conversation we had or an earlier conversation, you had talked about why people are so hungry for community now. Elaborate on that a moment. I see a lot of fear and I've seen this fear for a long time. I think people are very lonely. And part of that, there's a whole school of sociology around why people are lonely. 
but certainly we know it's true that families are more mobile and that just is. And so we don't have the sort of built in sense of connection and interconnection that the entwining of our lives that we relied on for millennia to create that sense of community. So we're afraid. We don't know the people around us. And that creates a sense of uncertainty. But that also creates a hunger for those connections. And I see some crazy stuff happening with that. People choosing to really prune back pieces of who they are, which is the antithesis of bringing your authentic self into a space. But I see why it happens. We're afraid. And right now, as we're recording this, we are in, guess, month seven of (laughs) the pandemic, which has intensified the loneliness for so many and the alienation and the isolation. So when you look for or when you see a community that seems at first appearance to be authentic, what catches your attention? When I see a community that appears to have at least good bones behind it, what I see are people that are unafraid to have disagreements. They're comfortable being in that space. You don't see a lot of yes, me too, yes, me too. I mean, you're going to have some of that because you do have things in common. Or they're willing to talk about things that are certainly not casual coffee chat conversations. So it's not just how's the weather, how are the kids? <laughs> you, know? you get into some of the, the more meaty, meaningful conversations. Like, I know you're looking for a job or I know your mom was sick. How's that going for you? And there's a sense of actual curiosity behind it. It's not perfunctory. It's a performance community building. It's actually, I care about you as a person and I want to support you and be supported by you. It's reciprocal. Those are the things that I look, that sense of we're in this together, not just let me come in and provide you this space, oh, lowly community member. (laughs) In your experiences, what have you found different, unique, or and even satisfying, gratifying about virtual communities, online gatherings? Well, for sure, you have a whole lot more substrate, right? I mean, virtual gatherings open the gates to a much broader pool of potential players. And I've been part of virtual communities now for almost 30, I guess, 30 years, because we were a military. And so we had very small communities, and we moved a lot. So to find people who had enough common interests, passions, values to make a community, you weren't going to find that on a small Marine Corps base in nowhere, South Carolina, or whatever. So I think the beauty is that you do have a much broader applicant pool. And so that opens up the doors to a more diverse set of perspectives. Obviously, that brings its own set of challenges too, but I'm willing to wrestle with those Hmm. to bring in the best people who are going to provide that holistic space of nurturing and support. Another question, and we'll save the others for another segment here, but Sarah, I'm curious about this because there are times you go really deep and reveal a lot about yourself. What is it that allows you to do that? Or do you do that instantly or do you test out the waters? And then what is it that you're looking for that says, oh, it's okay to share at the level at which I now share? So I wouldn't say I just come in the gates with both guns blazing, right? That's not really smart. And it's not really fair to the other people in the community either. But I have been doing this for a hot second. And so you can kind of get a sense by the conversations that are happening around you. If these are people who are truly interested in those deeper connections, or if they're just looking to add another membership to their online CV. 
But what I also find is I do dive deep. I'm comfortable having those conversations. I've done it a couple of times <laughs> across the last several decades. But it does let me kind of litmus test the community and see, is, is this authentic? Do you actually care about the whole person? Or are you just saying that because it's what you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And what would you say to people that are experiencing the loneliness that you talked about earlier and are longing for a community? Because you and I both know people that don't have the reserve you just mentioned. And some people jump into the deepest end of the pool from the high dive on their first foray into a community. I mean, some of that is, I think, soft skills or people skills. I think some people don't necessarily know how to read the room. So I think it goes, there are two answers, two parts to that answer. One, for people who are lonely or are desperate for a sense of connection, look around you. There are literally thousands and thousands of ways to connect with people on social media, through email groups. I mean, even if you're not willing to do in-person meetings in the current pandemic situation, there are still way lots of resources available to you. So find one where your passions and values intersect at multiple points, and you're going to stand a better chance of finding a group of people with whom you can have some of those more complicated conversations. But I think there's also an element of grace to that. I mean, people are hungry and starving and lonely. And just like you wouldn't chastise a starving dog for eating too much kibble because it's the first thing they've seen in months, I think there's a sense of responsibility for community also when you see somebody who you recognize as having a deep desperate need there give them a little bit of grace to get their bearings well that's really good sarah so extend extra grace to certain people at certain times well sarah i'm so delighted to have you join and share and i can tell you this that our community is deeper richer better because you're a part of it so thanks for being a part Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. Well, I want to thank you for joining today's conversation. I'm always curious what resonates in your heart or what lingers in your mind from the conversations we share here. A couple of things that are resonating with me and continue to ring. The conversation with Gina around belonging to something bigger than ourselves, allowing us to become our better selves. That is the essence of community, truly being better together, experiencing that better together, and accomplishing something with that group of people that's bigger, more audacious than anything we could accomplish by ourselves. Hey, if you're looking for a community like that, I want to invite you to check out this extraordinary.life. Yeah, this extraordinary life, you can find it at this extraordinary.life. You know, you can email me, Kevin, at this extraordinary.life. Call, text, or WhatsApp me at 1-404-713-0713. And I want to ask as we leave, what will you do today to explore, embrace, and enjoy this extraordinary life? Thanks for being here. Thanks for being you.